Hello. Hello. What's going on? I don't know. A little storm coming, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Want, yeah. Want to place your bets on where it turns? Uh, Mar-a-Lago and go straight across. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. I'm hunkering down. <laughs> Big storm of the century coming our way. Yeah, me too. Either your way or my way. Or both ways, actually. Could be yes. a could could be a two for one here. This could be the last Dance Double Monkey whammy. Dance show ever. We both get wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Huge fucking hurricane. Hurricane Dorian. Is was upgraded to a category mm-hmm. five this morning, which is yes. Right now, it's nailing the Bahamas. Yeah. Which, if you've ever been to the Bahamas, like they can't really take much hammering. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, it's supposed to slow down and sit over the Bahamas for a while. Yes. So yeah, it's not looking good for the Bahamas. No, not at all. Not at all. We have a bunch of armchair meteorologists here in South Carolina who are doing nothing but causing panic amongst people who have never been through this before. Oh, of course. A lot of last week, they were all like, it's going to be this when it hits and we're going to take a direct hit into Charleston. And it was like, dude, stop. And all the all the meteorologists on TV, TV were like, do not listen to these people like they're just trying to scare you. Listen to us. We will tell you when it's, if you need to go. Right. And you know, I've kind of been following them and, and they're still like, we're by the time this goes up, this will probably go up early just in case. But, um, you know, it, it'll be here by the time that this goes up and that's only a couple of days away. Yes. And so it's really different than it has been in the past couple of years, but you know, Thanks to to global warming or climate change, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, as the planet heats up, this is just going to get worse. Yeah. So we sit and wait. Things down here have been crazy. People are trying to find propane and (laughs) gas stations are running out of gas and grocery stores are running out of water and bread. And it's it's just ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's like, all right. Enjoy. Yeah, it's we went out um so the track the track for the hurricane had it in Florida for the longest time. Yep. And Saturday morning the track shifted and pretty much was coming straight into South Carolina. So we went out and we bought some hurricane supplies and I bought a, a second propane tank or whatever figuring now was the time to do it you know um and we we went to Lowe's for some reason I think we were killing time and there were tons of people buying generators because oh my god it's gonna hit us head on what are we gonna do and then the 11 o'clock track came out and it shifted offshore which is where it's been so it we're gonna get sideswiped by it to some degree But right. I'm wondering, are all those people now mad? Because once you buy a generator from Lowe's or Home Depot, you can't return them. That's right. So, you know, those were priced at like a thousand dollars. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll see how many of those things show up on like the marketplace on Facebook. Well, I mean, it it's an investment in peace of mind, just in case. I guess. I guess. I think it's a little overboard. Yeah. Yeah. People are, uh, I don't know. They, they don't know how to, under, how to, uh, deal with what could seemingly be a crisis. 
No, not at all. And I'm just, okay, I'm going to go run some errands, go to the comic book store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but, don't, I don't really... quite understand. It's, it's a mess. Yeah, I'm... I'm just riding it out. <laughs> I guess as of 3 p.m. on Sunday, there are 21 mile per hour gusts in Jacksonville. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Uh, okay, we used to get those in Orlando on a regular yes. basis in the on summer. On a daily basis. Yeah, that's not nothing. Yeah. Oh, people are fucked up. So we'll we'll see what happens. I I plan on going into work on Tuesday and having them say, um, "All right, load up all your shit that you could possibly need onto your laptop so you can work from home." Being that well, it's that's... yeah, being that it's Charleston and there's a thousand bridges in Charleston, like right, you don't want to be up on a high bridge in high winds. So. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's saying you could get up to fifteen inches of rain. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm... What's really freaking people out is that downtown Charleston floods in a summer rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Because Charleston is below sea level. And right now there's this weird lunar cycle thing going on that's got the tides higher than normal and downtown is flooded anyway. Oh, okay. So now you're going to add, you know, 10 to 15 inches of rain on top of that. That's why I don't live downtown. Yeah. I only go to visit. (laughs) So exciting times, I guess. Yeah. You just got to wait and see. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It might hit us. It might not hit us. It might be the storm of the century. It might be a whole lot of nothing. Right, right. So it's so unpredictable. Yeah, you can't get too nuts about it, I guess. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. So I shouldn't go get sandbags after this? Sandbag my hand? <laughs> if you feel you need them, then no. by all means. No. I don't live in a floodplain. It's okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So besides that, um, yeah, we lost we lost a couple people this week. In, we did in the in the life sucks as you get older category. Yeah, um, I guess the one that people would know most is Valerie Harper. If That's right. You are Rhoda Mor- Morgenstern. If you are a a Gen Xer or I, I guess millennials wouldn't know about her, would they? Mm, probably not. Because even even uh, her TV show Valerie was off the air before that. Well, 90s. she got re- she got replaced she got replaced by Sandy Duncan after the second season. Yes. <laughs> so it was no longer Valerie. It was Valerie's family, yeah. and then it was the Hogan family. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Like you sorry. can have a money dispute over your show, and then they just take you out. Although I guess they did that with Roseanne too. So I was just gonna say. Yeah. So I guess it's it's not uncommon. Yeah. She, yeah. She passed away at 80 this week. Which is a good age. It's still too young. Yeah. <laughs> she was still fighting cancer. Oh, is, is, is that what she finally passed away from? Yeah. Yeah. Cancer sucks. It does suck. It does. And who was the other one? So the other one people may not know the name of. Um, when I say it, but if you are a fan of cartoons from the early to mid nineties, you've seen his work and that is Gordon, uh, Bresak. Uh, huh. He passed away from, um, I believe cancer as well. And he was one of the producers on the Animaniacs and okay. tiny tunes and pinky in the brain and a bunch of those type shows. Um, very influential in that Warner Brothers kind of resurgence of the mid 90s mm-hmm. so yeah he, he also passed away and, and he was only 68 which is oh really young yeah that is very young you remember when that seemed old <laughs> yes 
Yes, it did. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else he did. Because when I looked him up before, it was like, wow. Um, so he started out his career um, as a writer on The Snorks. Okay. And The 13 hit, Ghosts. Hit television show. Well, it was at the time. Yeah. Uh, but he did like Yogi's Treasure Hunt and um, DuckTales and The Smurfs. The real Ghostbusters he wrote for he wrote he wrote on the cartoon New Kids on the Block, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny Toons, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Darkwing Duck, Mighty Max, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys, okay, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, Pinky, uh, Elmira and the Brain, uh, Sushi Pack whatever that is um and the octonauts which was i think that's a disney show so yeah he wrote a, he he did a bunch of like things you would have seen hmm. if you grew up at that time well yeah. rest in peace yeah these these guys the writers and stuff don't really ever get the recognition they deserve when they die no, not at all. So, and that's why we're here. That's right. That's right. We're here to to let people know exactly who these people are. And apparently, his son is also a filmmaker. Oh, okay. On nothing that you probably would have heard of. <laughs> Well, okay, it says filmmaker, but he's really a producer. Okay. And the things he did direct, you probably wouldn't have heard of. Which is amazing that you can have a a career, a steady career as a director making things that nobody's ever heard of before. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's going to be more of that as we get into all these streaming platforms. Yes. Yep. Speaking of that, I I went ahead and um, prepaid for three years of Disney Plus. So did I. Did you? Yes, it was a bargain. Uh, yeah. So so I don't. By the time this goes up, I think it's over. But it yeah, it ends on Labor Day. Yeah. So. Disney Plus had a deal where actually it was D23 and when they when I first heard about this I was like oh well you have to be a member of D23 and I don't have that kind of money but you could make a free uh, account right and then they they extended this offer which it was if you prepay for three years it drops it down to like three bucks a month or something yeah and essentially you're getting a year for free when everything is like said and done so yeah, I mean it, it's worth it. Yeah, to I, me it is. I I looked at that and I was like, I got a kid who loves Disney, and chances are, I'd be paying for that third year anyway. Right. So might as well take take advantage. And there's nothing that's saying that like like if you read the fine print, one of the things was if you pay, you'll pay this amount for the three years, and then starting the fourth year, you will be you will pay the yearly at whatever rate it what whatever the normal rate is mm-hmm. which really makes me think that at some point they're going to up the the price i think well it's disney of course right. they're going to up the price right so i'm i'm thinking maybe in year 2 they're going to do that and maybe i'll get away with a year at the normal price mhm like instead of of having to pay that that higher price so We'll see, but when I read that, I was like, yep, definitely doing this, because <laughs> who knows what they're going to do. That's right. However, if it tanks before the, the third year, do you get your money back? No. No, because that was also a thing. It also said, well, it, not in those terms, but it basically said that if you want to cancel for any reason, you don't get the money back mm. before that three years is up. You can cancel and not like not be not renew it but 
um, you're you are locked in for those three years, whether you want the, the thing or not. Right. So. I think to see what it's all about, it's worth it. Yeah, and and you know that there's going to be new stuff from Marvel and Star Wars for the next three years, at least. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why not? Yeah. So, yeah. One step closer to cutting the cord. <laughs> Possibly. Well, I've already cut the cord, so. Yes. It's it, it it's one of those things like, um, yeah, I cut the cord and I saved money, but now with all these services, I'm slowly going back up to basically what I was paying for cable. Yeah, but now you're getting the channels you want for the most part. For the most part. You're not getting 32 Spanish language shopping channels. You're not getting all the Christian channels. You're not getting all the the uh crime channels. Right. So, I I think it's better. I don't know. What I have to do is actually put together a list of what I watch, what channels I watch and <laughs> see which provider has them. Yeah, and you you really start at that point looking at what you can and what you can live without. Yes. As far as watching, like, like you'll see things on your list where you're like, well, I'm only kind of watching that just because I can. Right. And if it wasn't there, I really wouldn't watch it anyway, so we can cross that out. Mm-hmm. Um... I was, I was waiting to see a little bit with Disney Plus whether or not with that deal they were going to work in Hulu. Yep. But apparently not. So I'll just keep my Hulu at whatever it is. Yeah. I don't really want ESPN, so that I feel like would be paying for a service that I had no interest in. Hmm. So Yeah. I can agree. But now I know on November 12th, I can jump on there and watch whatever I want. <laughs> so are you going to go see the new Joker movie? No. No? I No. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get it. It's just not for me. It's an origin story of somebody who never existed in the universe. Right. And I, it, it looks like the King of Comedy with Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, and Robert De Niro's in it. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I don't see how this character becomes this crazy villain. It's like if they, if they put him in any city other than Gotham it wouldn't be the Joker. Right. Right. So I've been on the fence about this movie for a long time. When they first announced it, it was right after suicide squad had come out mm-hmm. and they just had uh, created a new Joker for suicide squad and Jared Leto. Yes. Now, while I didn't like what they did with that character with all the stupid tattoos and the, instead of the the smile or the scars it was a tattoo on the back of his hand that would he, he would hold up over his face like i didn't feel like rebooting the character already was something that they should have done especially when they were talking about bringing jared leto back for other films so i yeah. was i was really on the fence about it and then i heard all these horror stories from the set of like um they were rewriting the script on a daily basis. Yes. And normally when that happens, that means that they've lost their way, that they've, mm-hmm. they've missed the story and they're trying frantically to catch back up and get in a direction with the, where they could salvage the film. And the first trailer came out and I was like, okay, I kind of want to see the movie now just to see the way it kind of plays out. Um, it seems like they were taking bits and pieces from um, the man who laughed and the long Halloween and a couple of the other mm-hmm. like classic comic book stories. Right. 
And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where they go with this. And then the second trailer came out and I was like, I really don't understand what they're trying to do now. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a shot where I guess Arthur Fleck, who is who Joaquin Phoenix plays is in the hospital sitting with his mother, I guess in the hotel, in the, in the hospital room. And Robert De Niro is on the screen and he makes a comment about, you know, everybody says they can do my job, but look at this guy. And it's Arthur Fleck at like an open mic. And he makes a Robert De Niro makes a crack about um, Arthur Fleck not being funny. And it seems like that's the catalyst for this dude becoming evil. Hmm. And I don't get that. That's not the Joker that most people know. That's not the joke. The beautiful thing about the Joker is that he has no backstory. Right. You don't know what he, who he is or what he's been through. And then there's a shot in the second trailer where apparently Arthur Fleck is going to go on this show dressed in full makeup. And he, he says to Robert De Niro, Hey, can you do me a favor? When you introduce me, introduce me as Joker. Yes. And I was like, so why? Like, I don't understand why he's a guest on this show. I don't understand the choices. And, but everything that I've read up until that trailer came out is like, this is a brilliant movie. This is, this will be, this is going to set fucking DC back up for success in the superhero genre, even though this isn't a superhero film. And I've seen, I've seen multiple people say that and I'm like, they can't all be crazy, but they also said that if you liked the TV show, the boys, this movie is going to be for that audience. Right. So I'm super conflicted about like whether or not I should go to the theater to see this Mm -hmm. because I did like the boys. I like superhero movies. Like I should be the audience for this. But everything that I see, like when I see the clips from the movie, I'm like, how is this anything to do with Batman? Yep. But Thomas Wayne apparently is in it. There's there. People have picked apart the trailer and apparently there there's a movie theater that there's a riot in front of and everybody's dressed as clowns and it's the same. It's at Excalibur's playing, which is the movie that was playing in justice league when they retell Martha and Thomas Wayne being killed. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we're now back to the Joker is indirectly responsible for making Batman, but everything, everything else in modern comic book storytelling for Batman is Batman also makes the Joker. So I'm not really sure how that all fits together. Yeah. I don't know how you, can have a movie about the Joker without Batman. Without Batman, they they coexist for a reason. Yeah, it's they're the yin and yang. Right. Yeah. So we're just getting the yang. <laughs> I mean, no yang, yang for you. We know that Thomas Wayne is in it. Sure. And we know that Thomas Wayne has interaction with the Joker, according to this second trailer. And they're pretty sure that in the first trailer that the little kid that the Joker reaches through the fence and like make smile is supposed to be Bruce. So I don't know. Yeah. See, I don't really care. (laughs) Nothing about the trailer, nothing about the story, nothing about Joaquin Phoenix makes me want to go see this movie. No, you don't want to see him inhabit the character like any like no one before? No, not really. <laughs> Could care less. <laughs> hmm. I really could care less. Okay. That's all there is to it. Well, then it's not for you, mister. It's not. It's really not. Do you feel I'm though? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it not being for me. Okay, but I, do, I'm not. 
the target audience anymore. No. No. And I'm fine with that. But do you feel that you are the target audience for Marvel movies? Um... Maybe. Okay. I I don't make a point of seeing every Marvel movie that comes out. Right. So obviously Marvel is, is pitching to those people who are diehard fans, can't get enough of it. And that's not me. <laughs> I, I kind of, I kind of cherry pick what I want to watch. Okay. And you know, like I said, I'm fine with that. They're not getting enough money from me, so they're really not going to um, try to sway me. And I don't really know what they could do to sway me. But I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know that I'm the target audience for anything anymore. No? No. I am just all over the place. (laughs) all over the place. I mean, I definitely feel as I get older, I am not the target audience for like the new star Wars trilogy. No. And you're not. No, I I feel like, I feel like when Disney took over their, their plan was for my kid. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I am the original generation that saw the first three movies. And I think the prequels were meant for the generation after after us, and that this new prequel or this new trilogy series is for my kids' generation. Well, and and what they've done is, and we've talked about this before, is giving you the opportunity to say goodbye. Right. So rather than being stuck with the bad taste of the prequels in your mouth, you're getting a chance to say goodbye to all the main characters you were a fan of and that's how they suckered you into taking your children to these movies (laughs) to try to move in the direction of a different audience so do you but do you think that the Mandalorian is catering to the older fans or to the new fans uh That's a tough one. Because I think Rogue One was specifically made for the original generation of people who saw the movies. Sure, definitely. Mandalorian, I don't think could exist without both audiences. Okay. That I don't think that it's... The Mandalorian mystique is strong enough for... Um, newbies to to want to pursue it I think it's something they need to be introduced to Mm -hmm. and then if it does well you can move it forward if it doesn't you just write it off okay and I think that's what all the current Star Wars slate is is that um, let's see what sticks Let's try this. Let's try. Okay. Let's try doing out of the trilogy tie-ins like Rogue One and Solo. Let's try doing brand new characters like Mandalorian. Let's see if we bring a female Jedi into the mix. You know, all of these different concepts. Right. And then, you know, again, see see what really sticks. Well, I, I think that might be their downfall, too. Um, I think they are quickly learning that it's not the new generation that is going to carry the franchise through. I think they're very mistaken in a number of moves the company has taken lately. Okay. Um, predominantly Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Okay. Which I I, I loved. I had a connection with this. I loved the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run attraction. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing just feels very sterile. 
they talked about this being completely immersive and you could buy your Jedi robes and your, your droids and your lightsabers and walk around and you might be approached by stormtroopers who have your picture on their data pad and want to question you and, and that's not what it is. <laughs> it's a guy with a, with a pan and broom who's got a made up name and a backstory <laughs> and you know, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, we have Chewie. Okay, there's there's something. Um but it's it's a missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Fair enough. I think that that they should have honored the original trilogy and why they got to where they are. And I'm not saying there needs to be an Ewok stunt show or anything. <laughs> but for this this very highbrow, high concept leap into the theme park world. I think there's a lot of heart missing. Okay. I can kind of see that. You know, it's not. It's for the new kids. It's not for the old fans. You've got to, you know, kind of hunt out those little Easter eggs, those little references. Um, but they're really not a big part of the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and it definitely it it does definitely feel that way. It's definitely Disneyfied. It's mm-hmm. it's not like they could have done instead of Black Spire, which and Batu, which didn't really exist until now. Right. They could have done Mos Eisley. Oh, definitely. They could have done something from the movies where you could really connect with it and they did they could have done Jakku yeah I mean they uh, Disney is a company that can be very arrogant in its um, self-confidence right they they give you what they want to give you they don't give you necessarily what you want right yeah they they think they know what they want that what you want and a lot of times that's misguided Yes. Oh, everybody's going to want a $50 holocron. Uh, Not really. No. Everybody's going to yeah. want to pay $200 for a plastic looking lightsaber. Well, yeah. No. Well, and I think they're finding that out because this is opening weekend and uh, they had some record crowds on the first day because there's a bunch of idiots who feel they have to be there first. Right. And then there's the rest of the world. <laughs> So if you go like, you know, after six in the afternoon, it's a 30 minute wait for Smuggler's Run. I, the only attraction in the land. I was very surprised that Florida did not follow the California reservation thing. Well, they put it in effect on opening day, and I think they were done with it by maybe two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Because, I, I mean, I saw... I saw things of like a 300 minute wait, which is five hours, which goes, which was first thing in the morning, completely against the reservation thing. Yes. So I, I was like, wow, that's a weird thing. Cause it seemed to work in California. Well, it did. And it kept a lot of people away. Right. Which they're terrified of happening here. <laughs> well, um, I guess one good thing is if you're going to any of the other theme parks, it's like a 20 minute wait for space mountain. I did see that. I, I started looking around on, on the Disney app of like wait times and it was like, wow, you can go anywhere else now and not have to wait nearly as long as you had to like yesterday. Yep. Cause even in the same park, like rock and roller coaster, the day that I looked, it was like a 25 minute wait. And right. I don't think I've seen that in years. So it, it was something else. Right. And the other thing you you can measure it against is Avatar Land. Right. In which the um, Flight of the Banshee attraction is always at least two hours. Right. It's just, you know, ridiculous. Um, Smuggler's Run has been averaging wait times less than Flight of Passage. Wow. And that's kind of telling. Okay, so having never been on Flights of Passage and having only been on Smuggler's Run, mm-hmm. to me it felt like 
in, on Smuggler's Run, you were never really standing still for very long. Yes. Now, I don't know if that was just the situation that we were in because we were at a preview, but it it felt like they had it set up so that the line would constantly move. Well, and that was planned. Right. Because after you saw the, the you know, 12 hour wait for the, uh, what is it, Hagrid's motorbike adventure over at Universal Studios. Right. It, Disney says that, well, that's not how we base the success of, you know, the attraction on. You, you want to get the people through it. Right. And, and so when, when, you know, I hear like a 300 minute wait, you know, I don't feel like that is the ride, especially because only six people per cockpit right. are going through this thing. I don't know how many cockpits they have. I don't know how the building is generally set up, but like, it just felt like when we walked in, we would stop in the line and in a lot of other attractions and a lot of other theme parks, you would sit in that spot for 10, 15 minutes before you moved mm-hmm. up or whatever. And I felt like in Smuggler's Run, it was a slow pace to the front, but it was a pace and it moved. And mm-hmm. you come around that corner to where you walked in the, into the thing with Hondo and like that isn't a very long pre-show thing before those doors open and no, you walk not. through and then you get your assignment and then you walk into the Millennium Falcon and it was like, wow, okay. It may have been 30 minutes, but it didn't feel like 30 minutes. So I just feel like, um, and I don't know what the, what the Navi flight thing is, if it's set up the same way or not, but maybe that's, no. so may, is that why maybe the, the crowds, the, I, I the don't know how many theaters are in, that attraction. Okay. I still have yet to be on it. Oh, okay. So I, it basically it's the same thing that they have over at Epcot, Soren over whatever. Right. Um, with just an avatar theme to it. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering whether that has something to do with the wait times as well. Uh, quite possibly could because if you're if if you can only fit so many people in and then everybody else has to sit and wait while the attraction happens right that definitely slows down the pace mm-hmm. so maybe it'll always be two hours because of that who knows I don't know Time will certainly tell if they start lifting all the blackout dates on pass holders and employees and that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, the employees got to to their preview, right? They did. Well, fuck them then. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. I'm I'm in training to be a Disney manager. I don't know if I told you. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. Yep, you'll be perfect. I'm getting the hang of it, man. Yes. I'm going to bounce between there and uh, Harry Potter land over at Universal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to spread the evil love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't want to be, you know, only mean to one set of cast members or employees, whatever whatever the fuck they call them over at Universal. I believe they're team members. Team members? Well, that's team a members. Better. I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Call them what they are. Slaves. Yeah. <laughs> Drones, peons, whatever. So according to the app right now, the wait time for Smuggler's Run is 95 minutes. Yeah, that's not really bad for opening weekend, Labor Day. Now, there there is a potential of a big hurricane coming, so maybe people change their plans. Right. But I don't think... I see I I think the weird thing is that when you're making a reservation for a once in a lifetime vacation you're going to stick it out. 
Oh yeah, if you're going to pay all that money, you're going to go. You're not going to yep. try to cancel. You're not going to try to reschedule because how are you going to get everything lined up again? Yep. You know, you're going to have to request more vacation that you may have already burned. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So in contrast to that, the Avatar Flight of Passage right now is 125 minutes. And it can take 1,600 people an hour. And Navi River Journey is a 25-minute wait. Oh, well, that's a piece of shit. <laughs> that's the worst freaking attraction. Really? You don't like the big animatronic thing? That everybody's that's all that's in about? it. The rest of it is video screens. <laughs> I mean, it's not even as entertaining as Small World. Right. It's like, oh, I waited in line for this. <laughs> okay. Rock and Roller Coaster is a 50-minute wait. Tower of Terror is 15. So it definitely feels like there's not that many people in those parks. Mm-hmm. Because at the Magic Kingdom, uh, what is that one? Oh, that's Mission Space. Wait, wait, where am I? That's not Magic Kingdom. That's Magic Kingdom. Uh, uh, Space Mountain is 35 minutes. Which, yeah, which that's is pretty good. Yes. In the grand scheme of things. Pirates of the Caribbean, 10 minute wait. So, I mean, it, it, feel, it does feel like now's the time to go. <laughs> I'll let you know the next time I'm down there and my family drags me to one of these parks on the day after fucking Thanksgiving. There you go. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yes. Oh. Two years ago, we went to Magic Kingdom. Last year, we went to um, Universal. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, in other news... Uh-huh. Uh, I have been watching Carnival Row on Amazon Prime. Oh, the Orlando Bloom Cara. Yes. Yeah, Carla Devine. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. Really. It's it's very Victorian steampunk. It's it's beautifully designed. Okay. And it's got a very interesting story where it's not. It doesn't take place in London, although it could be London, but it's called The Berg. <laughs> um, the Berg is kind of the, the uh, whatever that city is in Hunger Games where everybody goes to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you uh, mean. I don't know. The name of it. So it, outside The Berg, there has been a war being waged against the fairy folk. And they're losing the battle, so they're starting to make their way into the Berg, and they're they're basically um, indentured servants. Okay. Because they've got to pay their way over, as opposed to um, you know being able to really emigrate. Um, but the CG is pretty good. Okay. The story's good. I'm up to episode five. There's three more left, so I'll definitely finish it this weekend. Um, Carla Devine, why does she have a career? I, I, I think we talked about this. I'm not sure. Yeah. She, I mean, she's the worst thing in the show. She is terrible. She has no chemistry with anybody else on the show. Um, she, they did a whole episode. There was a flashback, which was probably the worst episode because it was just slow. <laughs> Um, but Orlando Bloom was a soldier for the Berg, and they were going into the the other lands to, you know, help protect it from the, the onslaught. And she's very cold to him, and then he gives her a book to read, and all of a sudden they're making out. And <laughs> But it's like, what do you—I mean, she's a bitch. I mean, There's, she's— I don't find anything likable to her yet. I don't feel her plight. I don't feel empathy for her. Right. And there's some there's some interesting topics they deal with um, racism in that the the fairy creatures are called crits, <laughs> which I guess is short for critters, maybe. Okay. Um, but there's one there's um, 
um, satyr type characters. Okay. That have big horns on their heads and they're all working as servants except one ends up moving into a mansion in, a, in an upscale neighborhood and, um, you know, everybody's like shunning him. Right. Because he's different. <laughs> That's an allegory, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's worth checking out. Okay. It's worth checking out. The, the production design on it is amazing. It's great. There's a steampunk monorail that runs through the through Carnival Row, which is kind of the ghetto where the, the fairy folk live. Um, there's a bordello of fairies, so if you've got a I got a thing for, <laughs> for those winged creatures, you can go and have a night. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleasantly surprised. So so everything but but Cara Delvine? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why they keep trying to make her happen as a film star. Yeah. She's she's the worst part of everything that I've ever seen her in. Um she can't really act. She's not I don't want to say she's that she's not good looking. She's unusual looking. Yeah. She has she, she's got like huge eyebrows. She's got like a unique look and I think that's what they gamble on a lot. Okay. But acting has to come into it at some point. And everything yeah. that I've, I've ever seen her in um Suicide Squad she was absolutely terrible as the enchantress. Yeah, the Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets uh-huh. was such a it was such a sh- um, car wreck to begin with. You could say shit show. Well, okay. The, the <laughs> shit show that it was, her, like, she's supposed to be playing off a, a, the sexual tension with uh, Dane DeHaan, who was Harry Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. And there's no chemistry whatsoever. And... Okay you're just like, Oh, why are like these two people are on screen almost the entire movie. Yeah. And you're like, stop it, man. Like, uh, so yeah, I I don't know about her. And she's, she does weird things. Like she's been in a bunch of music videos. Well, she started out as a, like a model. Yeah. Her first film was, was Anna Karenina because everybody saw that. Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, wasn't she a Victoria's Secret model? Is I, that where she came from? I think so. I, some. Yeah, like I don't know. She looks like the creepy Kardashian sister. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. She should go back to doing voiceovers for Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, she's a, apparently in her in her bio. She's a fashion model and the face of Burberry's beauty campaign. Oh. Uh, well, that's nice. She's been featured in advertising campaigns, including H&M, Zara, and Chanel. She also appeared on the catwalk for brands such as Machino, Jason Wu, Oscar de la Rente, Burberry, Dolce, Dolce & Cabana, Fendi, and Stella McCartney. Okay. Uh, she, she began her career as an actress starring in films such as Paper Town, Suicide Squad, and Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. So, like, all the shit she's done. I was going to say, all, and they're all big hits, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke Besson, who made Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, um, who had made uh, Leon the Professional and The Fifth Element, like like a couple of really, really good films, blamed the superhero genre on the fact that Valerian didn't do well. And it was like, well, maybe it's the acting. Maybe it's the chemistry between the people who, like, you think are good actors and they're not. And, like, pretty much ended his film career because people wouldn't go see this movie. And he thought it was, Mm -hmm. like, the best fucking thing ever. Right. Oh, but she has a pet rabbit named Cecil. Oh, well, that makes all the difference. 
Oh, well, that's good. I take back everything yeah. I said. Mm-hmm. Everything. Her favorite pastimes are playing Scrabble and Boggle. <laughs> that's nice. She's also an author. So there you go. She can write? Apparently. Or at least dictate to somebody else. She also identifies as gender fluid, which explains the eyebrows. I was going to say, which explains why she looks like a man. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, so, so she identifies as gender fluid, but she is one of the 93 women who accuse Harvey Weinstein of sexual harassment. <laughs> oh, okay. So figure that out. Mm. Gender fluid when it suits her? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Me too is a very... Serious movement. Yes, it is. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. Just find a little odd. Hmm. Okay, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I I I think it's pretty cool. It's it's a little Harry Potter. Okay. It's a little Sherlock Holmes. It it it's very interesting. And how many of them are there? Eight. Eight? Okay. Yeah. So it's an eight-hour movie. Okay. So they're eight one-hour pieces? Yeah. Okay. Her character's name is Vignette? Yes. Okay. There there, there are very Harry Potterish names in this. Um, Orlando Broom's character is Rycroft Philocrates. And they're, yeah, the names are all very, very Harry Potter. Yes, I, I, I'm looking at them now. Holy shit. Yes. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time remembering who anybody is. <laughs> it's not like Pete and Jack and... Right. Know. Although it's not as bad as, like, The Hobbit. Yeah, well, you know the funny thing about those, like the Lord of the Rings movies, is when the, when the first three came out, I knew who everybody was, mm-hmm. and when the when they did the three Hobbit films, I couldn't tell you any of the fucking names of any of the party right. that comes to Bilbo's house. Well, are you old enough to remember the Rankin Bass cartoon versions? Yes. Okay. I think that's what most people of my generation knew about the Hobbit. I think a lot of people tried to read the books mm-hmm. and just couldn't get through them. Well, isn't the Rankin Bass um, Hobbit movie is like 45 minutes, isn't it? Uh, is it? It's probably. N- it's not much of anything as to where no. like it's a, and it's a musical eight hour goddamn super <laughs> right. saga on if you have to see it in the theater. Uh, let's see. The Hobbit, The Hobbit, The Hobbit. Are we talking about the 1977 version of The Hobbit? Bass yes. Rankin. It is an hour and 30 minutes. It was a oh. TV movie, apparently? Yes. I think I have the DVD of this. Ah. Uh, somewhere. I used to have the album. <laughs> <laughs> they did The Hobbit and they did, I want to say Return of the King. Um, let's find out. Uh, the Hobbit and the Return of the King. You are absolutely right. Yay! They did that. They did Return of the King in 1980. Hmm. Oh, they couldn't do the first two books of Lord of the Rings because somebody else had the rights. Oh. Had the animation rights. So I don't think I ever saw Return of the King. Yeah. Like this one, I would like I'm curious of how they they told the story without going through the first two books. Yeah. 
does it does it give me a plot summary? No. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So the the user review from 2003 on Internet Movie Database is four stars out of ten, and and it says eek. <laughs> I I bought this movie. I had never seen it, but I figured since it had the Return of the King name, it would be decent. I was horribly mistaken. I have tried to watch this movie about three times. Every single time, I've fallen asleep, only to be woken up by terrible music. Oh. If you must see this film, rent it. Do not buy it. Save yourself from the torment of actually owning this movie. Why is it so bad? One, terrible music sung by a guy with a terrible voice. Two, Who's Peter Yarbrough of Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> Two, really doesn't follow what happened in the book. I know that sometimes movies can't follow a book exactly, but this movie doesn't even attempt to do so. Three, the music is terrible. Four, very bad animation. Speed Racer has better animation. Five, bad music. Six, did I mention the horrendous dialogue? Sam has around 15 minutes straight of dialogue that makes almost no sense. Seven, I really hope I mentioned the horrific music. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this dude was not a fan. Hmm. I'm kind of curious now. I know I kind of want to see it. <laughs> so bad it's good yeah well you know sometimes the, it comes see, around that the, way the one thing I remember is that there was a song called where there's a whip there's a way oh Jesus was that in Return of the King or was that the Hobbit one uh I think it's in Return of the King let's see is there a soundtrack listing uh, details, details, quotes. No, there's not. That's weird. Uh, but you can find it on YouTube. Oh, really? Yep. Frodo and Sam are found by orcs and mistaken for orcs, are forced to march with them. Oh, my. Okay, I'm going to have to like watch some of these clips later. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> so there's a two-minute clip called Frodo of the Nine Fingers. Video of the introduction of the 1980 animated feature Return of the King when Bilbo asks what happened to Frodo. <laughs> Frodo, why are you missing a finger? Well, it's a long story. Wow, it's really weird looking. I forgot what the Rankin and Bass stuff looked like. Yeah. Well, I do believe it looks better than the Ralph Bakshi versions of the first two books. <laughs> because those very much look like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> Maybe they were. Maybe Scooby-Doo and Lord of the Rings... Combine. Maybe. Were any of these where they featured the, the Leonard Nimoy song? Oh, I don't know. There's a Leonard Nimoy song? Yeah, didn't he do like a the like a uh Bilbo Baggins song or something? Remember when like everybody in Star Trek was trying to do um like have a music career uh it is the ballad of bilbo baggins ballad of bilbo baggins that's what it's called and it's kind of like half sung half spoken word it's very entertaining oh and the video is just horrible <laughs> it's very 60s yes oh my god okay that's worth checking out <laughs> Yeah. 
So, so the the lyrics to Ballad of Bilbo Baggins is in the middle of the earth in the land of the Shire. There's a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. His <laughs> long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, lives in lives in a hobbit hole, and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, only three feet King tall. King of the Wild Frontier. <laughs> Raised him a Smeagol when he was only two. <laughs> <laughs> oh poor I, I feel like Leonard Nimoy was pushed into it <laughs> he had no problem cashing the checks no probably there's not there's no gun to his head probably not uh, the recording was featured on two sides of Leonard Nimoy the second of Nimoy's albums on Dot Records it was also released as a single Backed with a modern thought image folk song called Cotton Candy. This was 1967, so, you know. But I think what's th- what the the beauty of it is, is like in the music video, Leonard Nimoy is like full Spock haircut. Yes. All he's missing is the pointed ears and the pointed eyebrows. Yes. But it's basically like Spock singing about Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> well, wasn't that his, his look in the 60s anyway? He kind of kept it just so that I think he would be recognized. Even though there was that whole I'm not Spock thing. I think I think he still kind of ran with it just because that's how people knew him. Uh, when the single was originally released, Limo... Nimoy lip synced to the recording during a guest appearance on the July 28th, 1967 episode of Malibu U, a short lived variety television series. The segment survived as a, as a music video and shows Nimoy wearing his Star Trek hairstyle as a series was in the midst of production of its second season at the time. And a group of color coordinated young women, all wearing plastic pointed ears, Hobbit or Vulcan, singing and dancing on a beach. Uh, since it was rediscovered on the BBC two documentary, funk me up Scotty. Um, it has been identified as an example of 1960s camp. An expert of the music number is included in the documentaries ringers, Lord of the fans and the Lord of the rings fandom and the, for love of Spock. And then I guess Nimoy put out a, uh, 1993 compilation album called highly illogical. So he was still making music in 93? Did I lose you? Did you fall asleep? Are you gone? John, are you there? Hmm. Please stand by. Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> that was bizarre because I could hear you the whole time. Oh, okay. All of a sudden it got really quiet and I was like, hello? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yes, he made, he made another album in 1993. Wow. Well, good for him. Yeah. With such songs as highly illogical. If I had a hammer, that was one that he did back in the sixties too. Hmm. Proud Mary. <laughs> I hear she left a good job in the city. <laughs> I kind of want to hear Leonard Nimoy's Proud Mary now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look at that up later. Oh, we just lost another one. Who? Wait, what? We just lost someone. Who? Franco Columbu. Who's that? He was a bodybuilder back in the 80s, 70s, 80s. He was in Conan with Schwarzenegger. I think he's the guy who who would always blow up a a, a hot water bottle. Oh, if you ever saw okay. him on any of those TV shows. Okay. I think that's who that was. Wait, he was in Terminator as well? Uh, yes. Oh, he played the future Terminator. Okay. 
See, the longer we talk, the more people die. I know. What the fuck is going on? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, that's a bummer to end on, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, life's short. <laughs> yes, do what you want, because someday you may be hit by a tornado, uh, a hurricane, and a tornado, and at a tornado. the same time. Yes. All right. Well, now, now, if there's no show next week, don't anybody get excited? Maybe there's some power issues. We'll be back eventually. That's right. right. So we'll let you know. Yes, we'll 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 keep everybody up to date. I guess. Um, yep. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can and see how we are. You can write us at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. It's John. Have a good week. Hey, what do you call a Mexican that's been corrupted by the one ring? What? It's Miguel. Olay. <laughs>